Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Hello, friends. Welcome to Unsiloed the show that busts the echo chambers. If you dig hearing opposing perspectives about big issues from a point of mutual respect, if you like debate but love light, not heat, welcome home. Super Bowl this weekend, Jesus. Yeah, I'm excited I don't know if you've heard. Uh, heard, There's going to be a Super Bowl this weekend. I'm very excited about Super Bowl this weekend. You're going to be there. Uh, I'm going to be in Phoenix for Super Bowl week. You're going to be in the parking lot. At least halfway. Parking lot of the stadium. Uh, I don't think I'm actually going to make it into the stadium. (laughs) So unfortunately, I wasn't able to work that part out, but we'll be attending a few of the, um, of the events. Uh, hopefully a couple, even like the, the, or the practices, Mm -hmm. uh, where the teams will be like when they have, like when they, when they come out and talk to media, right. Should be able to be there. Chance to meet some of the players. Yeah, that'll be that'll be fun. Uh, both current and, and and you know previous players, I think it'll be fun. But uh, yeah, it's it's an exciting uh, exciting moment um, on the sports side of my sports company. Something that we've been kind of working on, doing more collaborations with the NFL, and it's kind of worked out that we're able to do some stuff while out there. So should be a lot of fun. So excited one of, about it. One of the things that the business community in particular gets excited about Super Bowl. I mean, it's obviously a juggernaut. It's a big culture mover and all that stuff. But it's, it's the biggest event. I mean, it's the biggest about, event. From a sports perspective, is the biggest event. And I would argue it's probably the biggest event, period, that right. happens here, like on an annual basis. In the U.S., In right? the U.S. You can't the compare US. it to soccer, but yes, yeah, of course. Right, you US. can't compare it to World Cup, but that happens in the U.S. Like, I don't know if there is a bigger, I don't think there is a bigger event. You know how many people watch the World Cup final? Did you ever see that stat? No. It was 1.2 billion. Mm-hmm. 1.2 billion. We have like 100 million that watch the Super Bowl. 100, 120 million watch the Super Bowl. Yeah. Still a lot. It's a lot. And it, it's every year. It's it not every four. It dwarfs everything else. True. You know, we still have a population that is how many million? 365 around there? Something right? like so that. So over a third of people are watching one event live. That's pretty good. Well, agreed. And it's also big in the marketing world, right? People so basically, huge, yeah, brands yeah. get made, launched. Yeah. Uh, you know, at least historically, it's been the case. Last year's ads were. I just felt like they were, I don't, I don't, we had a conversation about it, but yeah. I wasn't as impressed last year. But historically, they've been good ads, spent a ton of money on them, and then a ton for the ad time itself. I've spent no time looking at any of the ads that are going to be premiered. Have you? Like, no. I look it, at them it, afterwards. It, it used they to be such a thing, them. right, where they would be like literally premiered day of the game. Right. And it was like, oh, what's going to be in the first ad break versus the second one? And, you know, they would get progress- progressively worse as the game will Especially on. if it was a blowout. They're like, let's put all the crap yeah, ads in there. Um, but then then they went to the point where, like, everything was being launched first on social. So you will see them on YouTube, like, weeks. And it kind of just really took away from, like, the seeing the actual, like, really creative expression of some of these. And then the reality is most of these, these ads are most memorable for their, their antics, not so much for what they actually are. Mm-hmm. For how much value they're 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 driving in the market. What has been interesting, I don't know if you've seen this, like all the crypto ads have got dropped <laughs> after FTX went down. No one wants to. It's so funny, man, because like last wasn't last year. That's the one with Matt Damon, right? The FTX one. Yeah, the the brave new world. Oh or whatever yeah, yeah, it was. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's so many of that. So much of that stuff going on. So it is it is really interesting. I'm looking up the cost this year for a TV spot. Um, it's. I mean, it has, it's been, let's see, the bump from last year, it's 6.5 million for 30 seconds, according to AdAge. This year? Uh, no, I'm sorry. $7 million, which is a bump from last year, which was six and a half million. So yeah, 7 million yeah. for 30 seconds. And 
And I'm sure that there's all kinds of ways that they structure that where it's like the first ad in the pod is going to be 20% more and the middle one is X and whatever else. But anyway, the reason I bring this up advertising is Mm -hmm. um, this weekend, people can expect to see a kind of rather unusual campaign Mm -hmm. that has caused uh, some thoughts, uh, some controversy, some jubilation, depending on where you are. It's a campaign called He Gets Us. Have, have you seen this? I have. I saw the first ad and I, I was very confused as to what, what I was watching. <laughs> That's a did good you, Did you see the first one? I don't know which one the first one was. I saw well, one on, that was kind of had an immigration bent to it initially. And then I um, saw another one that was about like homelessness or something. Yeah. So I'll describe it because I actually rewatched it because um, I, was, I was very confused of what this thing even was. But it captures so, your attention because of your confusion in a way. Like you're kind of looking yeah, it's, at it. It's, it, it is. It did. It, it has something about the tone. It has like this. It's almost like um, we're like this built intention that felt at least in this ad. So I looked it up. It's called That Day is what it's called, right? And that the, the ad is basically describing it from the perspective of everyone involved in a situation where a person was, was uh, uh, convicted of a crime that they didn't commit and they and was oh, killed. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And was basically unjustly. put to death unjustly. Mm-hmm. And the guy, basically the person that is, that is uh, killed basically has like f- final words that sound like Jesus Christ, like, you know, please for like, Lord, please forgive them. Mm-hmm. And then it has this, um, this, um, this kind of tagline. It's a je- Jesus rejected resentment on the cross. Uh, what is the thing to something? I forgot what the, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm trying to, cause it's kind of just sits there. Uh, he gets us, all of us. And that messaging to me was like, I don't get this ad at all. Like what, what is, <laughs> like I was extremely confused to what I just even at Even at the end, even with the tagline? Yeah, yeah, it, mm. it did. Like what's the, like, yeah, I, I didn't understand the tagline. I was very confused at what that tagline supposed to mean. Like he rejected resentment on the cross. Okay. Yep. And then this person, I guess did as well. Uh, what is the lesson learned? Because from, I'm thinking from the context, everyone that was there still like didn't really learn their lesson because the guy still got put to death. Mm. So there was no moment of growth for anyone, mm. right? The because, one, and even like this mm-hmm. guy, even from the perspective, like he's saying this, but you could also see the different perspective of the judge and everyone else like, well, but all, you know, anyone that's going to be put to death is probably saying something similar or at least say that they're innocent. Like, I don't know. It was, it was very weird. I didn't understand what I was watching. I'd have to watch that one. The one that I saw was, uh, had an immigration bent to it and mm-hmm. it resolved on Jesus was a refugee. He gets us, right? So it, it kind of told this story of, it showed somebody coming to the U.S. for the first time, having nothing, right? Being a stranger, being set upon by the natives, right. that kind of thing. And then at the end, the sort of tagline was that Jesus was a refugee and he gets us. So the idea of this campaign, at least as I understand it, is it's a campaign to make Jesus, i.e. Christianity, sort of relatable right? and um, as impactful as it was 2,000 years ago today. And it's doing it through the device of social issues. But by the way, and I'll, I'll, I'll restate what about what this thing is actually about, because I think okay, once good. you reread the text, you're like, okay, I kind of see what it is. It's basically telling the story of this person who was sentenced and put to death, mm-hmm. who basically is forgiving, asking for forgiveness of everyone that contributed to this person. To their death. And been put to death. Mm-hmm. And then this, the ad is told from the perspective of everyone of why they did it and having these, like, in some cases, very superficial or not great reasons to why they did it, right? Why they, they weren't brave enough to do the right thing, right? So it starts with the police officers that I responded to the call. It goes to um, the, ju- the, the lawyer. I didn't know if he was guilty or not. Yeah, then now I remember to the I have lo- seen to it. The, to the judge, I didn't... Uh, he says something else. He was like, I couldn't ignore public opinion as the judge. Yeah. Right. Um, Had to give the people what they the, wanted. The the jurors, I got caught up in the emotion of the trial. Mm. Right. Everyone, basically uh, someone that didn't testify. I could have testified, but I got scared. Um, and then someone, I, I guess it's the judge saying, I'm expected to be tough on crime is the judge. Right. Or the DA, I'm guessing what it, what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, the mom said, I know my son was innocent. Right. And then it, it, uh, you know, and I'll, for, and I'll never forget his final words, which is like, please forgive them or something like that, right? Forgive them that they know not what they do. Yeah, forgive mm-hmm. them, right? And and it's, and it's that. And then it, then it has a tagline of of what I was saying earlier, Jesus rejected resentment on the cross. Mm-hmm. Like he gets us. And 
even after saying that, I still find it like really confusing. Like it, it was one of those things where I, I didn't know what to think of it. I didn't know what it was. It was like an odd, like in this really somber tone of this ad comes out of nowhere. And it wasn't until you shared this piece of them or I saw it somewhere else. I'm like, oh, I want to talk to Charlie about this because I saw an article about it. Mm-hmm. It's the first time where I actually understood what it may be that they were actually talking about. It yeah. feels like if, 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 if at least that one is like, it's so out there in terms of that it, it definitely catches your attention. Mm-hmm. So it's very Super Bowl laugh from that perspective. Yeah. But well, it wasn't it clear just, to me what, or like what, what this not, is. It's or, not or, flashy at all. It's in black and white. It starts with these sort of right. drab images. It tells a, a story. It's arresting in the sense that it doesn't look like anything else you're expecting, especially I would think in the context of the Super Bowl. Now, the first time I saw this was actually in an NFL game, Sunday game. Yeah, that's how I did as well. You that, did? That, okay. It wasn't a playoff game. That, that's how I saw a it. A playoff game. Okay. Yeah. So, so it is like aesthetically that way. Let me just describe it a little bit. It, it's part of a hundred million dollar campaign. Uh, the group behind this, which is one of the questions everybody well, asks, one billion dollars, Charlie. It's a billion total, but the Super Bowl part of it, oh, I guess, it, is a hundred million dollars, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. It's like uh-huh. twenty-five million for the ads, uh-huh. and then all the stuff that goes around it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, but a billion dollars, which is a much more significant number, yeah, because um, they're doing other things, obviously. But the question that I've heard the most asked is, "Well, who's behind this thing? Like, right. what is it?" Which I, which I find kind of interesting. You know that that's there's this desire to find out who's behind it. Like maybe I'm being tricked in this message sounds good or whatever, but who knows who's behind it. Mm-hmm. And and I understand that to a degree, but it's just interesting that that seems to be like the first question, not, Hey, how do I feel about this message of forgiving people, even if they've harmed me? Or how do I feel about the message that, you know, uh, we should take care of refugees and immigrants? Or how do I feel about the message right. of like, it's not that it's like, who's behind this. But anyway, the group behind this is a group called the Signatory. Mm-hmm. And the signatory, b- believe it or not, full disclosure, I actually have met those guys. Oh, really? They're based in the Midwest or in Kansas. Mm-hmm. And they're, I don't know if you would describe, maybe like they're a think tank or something. They're they are an organization that connects very wealthy people mm-hmm. to values-based initiatives. Okay. They're like... Um, they're like if media if media link was you know got religion kind of thing you know what I mean they, they know everybody they're connected right, to everybody right, that's yeah. their that's their sort of shtick right um, and this is made up of basically donations from hundreds or maybe even thousands of very wealthy families like sure. the, the CEO of Hobby Lobby is an example yeah, yeah they, is a, yeah, is a he got interviewed right where he said he was a big, big chunk he's of a big that. big chunk of that but a mm-hmm. billion dollars and the, even though they've been running this ad campaign they're having a big moment with the Super Bowl and um, I mean, I was curious to talk to you about it, to get yeah. your perspective on what you thought about it. Is the Super Bowl a venue for this kind of advertising? You know, will it be effective? Uh, is it is it well done, creative? Right. Um, all those kind of questions, just because I think it's something that's going to enter the consciousness since 120 million people are going to see it. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I think it's actually a, it's a great venue for this kind of conversation. If you're going to like make a splash, which they already are by even being in the playoffs, I do think it's the right kind of place to have this kind of content. It's kind of advertising. One thing that I thought was really interesting in their approach creatively is that they are putting, there is this, 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 I think there's two main issues that I see them pushing messaging that I see them pushing. One is this relatability of that. Jesus understands that's the whole, he gets us kind of dynamic right now. And this is actually one of the criticism that I think, people that are more religious have about it that are like, it's not about just him getting, like he's supposed to save you. Like, like that part kind of gets overshadowed with the yeah. relatability. It's like, I almost think about in the content that we joke around is like, uh, George Bush C, uh, Jr. was like, oh, he's the kind of, you know, president I want to have a beer with. Yeah, that's cool. But, but he's supposed to be the, mil- supposed to be the president. Commander right? in chief. Exactly. Like, yeah. Like, w- yeah. Like, what are we valuing more? The fact that I want to yeah. have a beer with the guy or the fact that he is, uh, you know, commander in chief. Right. So I think there's that. The other thing that I think is really, really interesting, and this is where I wanted to, this is why I want to talk to you about it, is yeah. that it puts Jesus in a very different light associated with social issues that are happening right now. Mm. And I think it, I see it much more through a lens of like acceptance, love, uh, doesn't feel at all judgmental, right? And some of the things that it's bringing up. As a matter of fact, it's actually putting it in, in connection with things that, Frankly, I've been very politically divided. And frankly, they get politically divided and even that fall in those divisions amongst religious groups as well. Mm-hmm. Like the thing that Jesus was a refugee, right? That goes back to, I think, the the immigration uh, uh, mess content that they put out. And like, that is, yeah, that's exactly true. That's right. And I think when you look at the political lens 
that people tend to have and where those flat political lens lay, lays over religiosity, you would say that more religious, more conservative, and that tend to have these kind of anti-immigration kind of stances in general. So putting Jesus in that light of being a refugee and kind of reminding people of that, it's a really interesting dynamic. Yeah. And I think part of the pushback you're getting from people is like, well, who is this really meant for? Is it meant for people that are already religious? Or is it meant for the masses? And to me, this is all about the masses. It has to be. I agree. But it is really interesting of putting it in that light, like shining a brighter light on that aspect of of the the story of Jesus, and and, and then connecting that to social issues that are happening right now. I think that was really to me. I was like, I was super um, just interested in the messaging and the strategy yeah. behind it. It's, Even though that first ad, I wasn't, I didn't quite follow that first one. It's not as surprising to me because I'm very enmeshed in like the social teachings of Christianity and, you know, immigration, um, you know, justice for the incarcerated, things like that. So it's not as surprising to me, but from a popular standpoint, right? Mm -hmm. People who are not Christian and who think about Christianity may think, oh, that's, you know, I'm not going to go to church because I'd, you know, I'd go up in a ball of flames if I just walked in there because I'm a sinner and those are all perfect people, right? In a way, it's kind of the, it's the same dynamic that keeps people from joining gyms. It's like, oh, I'm out of shape. I could never go to a gym. It's like, what do you think the gym is for? It's designed for people that are out of shape. Right, same right. thing, you know, Christianity is designed for sinners, people who fall short. You know, that's the mm -hmm. whole idea. So by bringing that aspect in and saying, listen, you know, Jesus forgave people that treated him bad. Jesus was a refugee. So all that kind of countercultural thing to what your expectation is, is very much who but, he was. But doesn't it feel a little bit like it's like Jesus got a PR agent that is doing a better job with messaging to try to like reverse what is what has become more the way that a lot of people who are not deep in the faith view the faith? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that's, you know, right? one, I mean, one I, of the I, reasons for doing any evangelization is to get sure. out there and talk about what the reality, what the truth is and not be sort of, you know, governed by misapprehensions, which those are. If you think that if you're a person who thinks that you would turn into a, you know, ball of fire walking into a church, you have a misunderstanding of what Christianity is. You just do. And I mean, yeah. I'm not saying it's not out there. It is, but it's not correct. The, the Christian, the church in whatever way you define church is a hospital for sinners. It's not a museum of saints. Like you yeah. have to understand that. But, and right. so, but some of the position feels self-inflicted, right? Like we talked at length before about the, um, uh, the Bishop's Conference where mm -hmm. they were talking about revisiting uh, like the Eucharist, mm -hmm. right? Who should Communion receive and all Communion that. and all mm -hmm. that, right? Mm -hmm. And part of this came because of the contrary. People were basically calling out President Biden that he should not be allowed to get communion yeah. because of his stance on abortion. Like, that that kind of positioning does feel like not a welcoming to people, but rather kind of pushing people out of it. Yeah, and I do think that this messaging. This is why I say it feels like a like she's got a PR agent. Is like, is like reframing that that in some cases has been framed because of people that are very vocal, maybe on the more conservative side of the faith. Because like everything else, there is people that are sort of fall one side versus the other. I mean, look, even going back to David I, I Green. Do have, I do have something to say about what you just said. By the said way, because let me just make this point. So, yeah. I think it's, it's actually related, right? Mm -hmm. So David Green, while he was being interviewed about this, he was this is the, the co-founder of Hobby Lobby, which we mentioned, right? This is the quote that he gave in an interview that he was giving. He's like, you're going to see it at the Super Bowl. He gets us. We are wanting to say, we being a lot of people, that he gets us. He understands that he loves who we hate. By the way, that line like caught my attention. I think we have to let the public know and create a movement. That feels like a very different positioning that I think how the faith has been seen, and in some cases fairly, in other cases unfairly. But I quite well, how I think a lot of people view the faith as being exclusionary rather than being inclusionary. Yeah, I think any attempts to look at Christianity through a particular lens or of positioning is going to fall short because the reality of it is is that uh, you know, Christianity is a profound thing. And mm -hmm. let me give you an example. Like, you know, there's this idea that Jesus was loving and forgave everybody all true, but it continues, right? He also made demands of people's lives. He mm -hmm. said that following him was going to be hard, not easy, mm -hmm. that the world would not accept you. They would hate you. Right. When there was a, there's a scene in the Bible where a woman got caught in adultery and they were about to throw rocks at her and kill her. And he made that stop. He stopped them. He said, who among you hasn't sinned? Let the person who hasn't sinned throw the first stone. And right. they all walked away because they're all sinners, right? But then what did he do right afterwards? He, he grabbed the woman, stood her up and said, now go and sin no more, mm -hmm. right? Don't continue doing adultery. So 
If you just focus on the sin no more, you get a lot of this positioning that you're talking about. If you just focus on the part about like, hey, help you up and save you from getting stoned, you get a lot of the other kind of positioning. What you don't see, to your point, is the both-and positioning. Mm -hmm. Even here, even here we're kind of getting maybe one aspect of it. It's all true, but it's not the total truth of what this is. So I guess, you know, everything's going to— That's a complaint, by the way, right? That's what this article was talking about is that— so I forgot who it was I was talking here. It's like, yes, Jesus can relate to you, but what did Jesus come primarily to do? He came to die for our sins. And like, there is like, what feels like a little bit of, um, just kind of glossing over that part. I mean, there was another art, the same person saying, I can look at Buddha or Sarah uh, Macklin or Obama and I can find things in common with them, but that doesn't mean they're going to save me. So the whole saving me is yeah. something that this, this piece doesn't actually get into. But you also gotta start a conversation just, with people, don't you think? But, like, yeah, like I feel like we're like completely. Look, one of the biggest. I also think that, by the way, that I think the Christians will be the most critical about this campaign. I totally agree, and I think like, the other thing which you haven't mentioned is the fact that there's a lot of people that complain about the fact that it's a little too hipster. It's a little bit oh, too, yeah. you know it's, what I mean? It's a little woke. So even beyond, woke. even beyond the message, let's talk about that. You know? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm just saying the whole look and feel and the style sure. and like all this other stuff, right? So there's complaints about that. There's a massive billboard in Times Square that Jesus let his hair down too. <laughs> It's also true. Jesus looked like a hipster from Venice with a sandal and long hair. Absolutely. And then he also, you know, went Uh, to the temple and did the synagogue and preached and followed the law of Moses. And he did all these. He's he's a very tough person to put in a box. Do you think that's so, in terms of core messaging, that's the right strategy? Like, based on the intended audience. Yes, I do think it is. Because there's, one of the latest things that that has happened that I've come in contact with is this idea of Mm pre-evangelization. So think about, you know, Christianity, if and I'm being very broad in my definitions, right? But Christianity is about helping somebody come into a relationship with Jesus. That's what mm-hmm. it's about, basically. Mm-hmm. It's like like you would have a relationship with anybody. Right. You introduce them to that person, sure. then those two people talk, and then after a while they become friends, right? That's right, how it right. kind of works. So yeah. like that's the function of yeah. evangelization. But there's this, if you think about it as a funnel, there's a moment where you meet and then there's everything that comes afterwards. Mm-hmm. One of the biggest movements is what happens before they meet, this sort of pre-evangelization phase. Right. I think this falls into that category, which is it helps people who maybe have never thought about faith, maybe never specifically thought about Christianity to go, wait a minute, what is this? This is weird. This defies the things that I thought, like what you said, the judgmental and this and that. Mm -hmm. So I'm now curious enough to at least ask the next question, even if ultimately I go back and go, I still don't believe any of this crap, but I can at least ask the next, next question. I think if that's the intended audience, which I think it is, I think it's very smart. Yeah, it, I think so too. I don't think it's for committed Sunday going Christians at all. I think it's for younger people who are mostly disaffiliated with religion to begin with, mm-hmm. who are very much into social causes and social justice to tell them like, yeah, well, this isn't new. Right. We've been doing it for thousands of years. And oh, by the way, this guy did it better than anybody. Check it out. And then from that, it can lead to something else. Right. So in that sense, I think it works very well. I think having a strategy around relatability to make it feel a little bit more accessible is really smart. Do you think the church needs its own version of, of uh, Topgolf? <laughs> let, me, let me explain the analogy because you no, already know where I'm going with this. Right? Like if I think about... Mm-hmm. A sport like golf that really struggles with bringing on new fans mm-hmm. because so much of, of consuming the sport of golf has to do with you playing it. And there is few things that are more intimidating than going to a golf course and trying to play what you don't know how to play. Mm-hmm. You're up there by yourself. You're, it's all about technique, which is hard to do no matter how athletic or not you think you are. Yeah. There's all these bears. It's expensive. It feels like exclusionary. It's like all these, the people that are in are like, this is like their tribe. This is their, splay, their space. They're not necessarily the most stuff. friendly people, especially people that can't play or don't know how to play. Yep. Like, Weird looking all pants. all these barriers to mm-hmm. it. And here comes Topgolf. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. We'll, we'll take your, and then we'll, we'll raise up. I just went to the Topgolf, by the way, here, the one in El Segundo. And it's actually, it's a great experience. Mm-hmm. It was fun. I took my nieces, my daughter. They were all had a great time. And they all said the same thing. I'd rather do this much more than playing golf. But doing that, I do think, gets them into, it's a step in that direction. Like, is there a quote of that? In yes, there is. Space? Oh, what, there's, what would it be? Uh, there's a bunch of them. It depends on the denomination. But um, so let me answer it two ways. Number mm-hmm. one, I think the church at large needs a lot more pull in addition to the push. We're very good at push, mm-hmm. which is get the message out, evangelize, right, right. preach on the corner, give a sermon. Awesome. But we're not as good at pull, draw mm-hmm. people into the message, yeah. right? 
And this idea that you're describing is really a return in a way to the fundamentals of the faith, mm-hmm. right? So if you were to ask anybody who's a committed Christian, like, what's it all about? It's about having a relationship with Jesus. That's what it's about. Right. Like there's that's rule. That's really the goal. Yeah. That's, well, that's the starting point. And in a way it's the end point. And it's in, it, throughout that relationship, you learn a lot of other stuff, right? Right, right, right? I'll describe it this other way. Historically, stuff like this has been about believe, well, behave first, behave, believe, belong, right? Mm-hmm. You got to behave a certain kind of way, right? Which is that you got to be prim and proper. Then you got to believe what we believe, and then you can belong, right? Mm-hmm. What's happening now is an inversion of those. Belong, right? That'll cause you to behave in a particular way, and then you'll come to believe what what we all share, right? Yeah. In a way, that's first century stuff. That's how it worked in the very beginning. It was yeah. like you know we're. I mean, we, I, we, the apostles yeah. had warts and they were tax collectors and they were, you know, they had prostitutes and all this other stuff. And Jesus accepted them the way that they were. He didn't leave them there though. That's the, the key. Right. He didn't say, yeah, it's all good. Keep being a prostitute. That's not what he said, yeah. but he loved them first. He let them belong. And then eventually they figured out, oh, I want to be like him. And I don't see him doing all this other stuff. Yeah. And then they came I, to understand that that wasn't good for them anyway. I mean, it is interesting that at least the only faith that I've seen be very proactively at this kind of stage and marketing themselves is Scientology. They're the only ones that are consistently does that, um, that I've seen. Right. And maybe, I mean, I think there's something to be said about that of, of having for, you know, for this day and age, in this age of limited, um, like attention, right. Like limited, uh, like the, yeah, we have a history where people just feel like they're inundated with information inundated with content, just limited, you know, attention span really. Um, is this the kind of thing that makes a lot of sense to, to as a way to bring people into the conversation? So I, I actually welcome it a lot. I think it's really interesting. I'm glad to see it. I really wish to, if there was like a broader effort across religion to actually have a little bit more of a marketing POV. I mean, I still amazes me to me going to, I was recently at, uh, at a Lutheran mass and I was sitting there, and it was an hour-long mass. I was thinking to myself, man, this is so boring. Like, if you, I was, I was looking around, seeing the kids in there, like, completely tuned out. It reminded me of being as a kid. Like, you're like, you're there because you're a parent, but there's actually nothing to engage you. And this poor, I felt, like, bad for the for the, for the the priest that was up there. It's not that he, it wasn't a good message. It's just, like, there seemed to be just no real training how to, like, have a conversation, how to engage people. And, like, I don't know. Maybe I think it's too much of a, in terms of a marketing perspective, but it just feels like such a missed opportunity, like such a, such a missed opportunity that people come in, they see that I'm like, yeah, I'm good for uh, yeah six months or till next year. Like I'm I'm good with that. Yeah, there's a lot there. And there's just and like, we, I, I don't know. It just feels like you can't summarize the 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 efforts of any faith. I mean, I can speak on behalf of the Catholic faith yeah. by just what happens at a Sunday liturgy at a Sunday mass because yeah. there's all kinds of things from food pantries, to religious education, to media ministries, to all kinds of things that happen on the side. But just to isolate the question of, you know, the service itself, some people will find it very boring. And then some people would respond to that, that, you know, the idea is to worship God the way that God wants you to worship him, not the way you want to worship him, right? So mm-hmm. there's there's a level of spiritual maturity that is required to understand that not everything is going to be like a Broadway show or look like it's sure. tantalizing. Not every preacher is going to be great at giving a message, but that there's something greater that's happening if you're prepared to, to get it, if you're prepared right. to listen to it. In the case of the Catholic Mass, I mean, it essentially hasn't changed. It changed in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was an adaptation to make the language like the language people spoke in the given country. It wasn't right. all in Latin, things like that. But the fundamental parts of the Mass have been the same for 2,000 years. Yeah, And it's gone through every culture, political order, whatever. Right. But to just say this is the fullness of the experience of being a Christian is what happens for an hour on Sunday would not be accurate. I right? agree There's, with you, it, but I think it comes down to this in the context of brand, right? Brand is what people experience, right? In whatever window it is. Like, you know, I've I had this conversation with somebody recently and I was, I was saying, we we're talking about building a sales organization. I'm like, Sales organization is really important because for most of your B2B, consu- B2B clients, your brand is entirely reflected on who the person that they interact with. 
Like that is who, if you have a good person, then it's a great brand. That's all customer service. And, and if it's a terrible person, like that is the view of your, so you could be spending all this money doing a bunch of different things at the end of the day. And it falls down the moment they It falls they to that one person and Absolutely. that one interaction. So it, I agree with you though. And I wish everyone looked at the, 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 the fullness of every single thing. And that will be the fair and right way to do it. But like these all become like important moments of engaging, of connecting. And it just feels, I feel like something that just is not given either enough attention or I don't know what it is. Like the, be, the, like, look, the those are like opportunities and look, I'm, I'm coming from a bigger perspective of like, if you would just rethink it and kind of throw it all against the wall. Cause I love this. This is new. This is fresh. The reason why I like it is like saying like, well, why should we be active during Super Bowl and actually get a message out around the faith? Like, of why not? Of course. But people will be like, well, no, no, because people should just want to come to church because it's the right thing to do. No, mm-hmm. no, I get it's the right thing to do. There's going to be some guy in the end zone holding up a John 316 sign. There's, There's going to be. See it's what I'm saying? Like, every, it just you know. like, that feels fresh. That yeah. feels interesting. Yeah. And I there like are the a lot of those interesting like, efforts, you know, so, on the Catholic side. I, would I think maybe I'd love to see that more in other other spaces. Maybe I just don't see it. And maybe that's why. I'm reacting Yeah. To and look, we got to be, you know, honest to, to that. Are we really seeking those things out or are we expecting no. them to get delivered to our door? You know what I For mean? Sure. That kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a couple on the Catholic side. One mm-hmm. of them is called Spirit Juice Studios that does a lot of the stuff that you're talking about. There's another one called Dropout, which is a phenomenal kind of ministry. I that, remember the ad that we saw uh, that Anthony uh, put together they produce right yeah it was, there's stuff it was like for that. osv like that was great it wasn't just for people that are mm-hmm. you know that i'm talking about this there was this campaign that was created this 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 creative that was done uh we already talked about the the contribution that the catholic church have had specifically around technical innovation right that's a good way to describe it and it was great because it kind of goes back in history and shows all the moments of where it was a Catholic faith that it's always easy for us to categorize it as always being anti-science, anti-innovation, but in many ways was actually the one that was driving that at different moments. And it was done in a really well manner that I responded really well. So I'm like, wow, this is actually really sure. cool. I never, I and a lot of people don't this. know that, you know, it's like, the, point, the, like the, 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 educa- the university system. A little marketing may not be a bad thing. No, it, well, and that's the point that you are making. That's a very good one, which is churches are notoriously bad marketers. There's yeah. no question about that. And we've definitely come across it. But when things do happen like this and others, there's a series right now available on Amazon or Hulu and a thousand other places called The Chosen mm-hmm. that has just blown up. And right. it's like hundreds of millions of people watching the show. And there are examples of that, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I do think it's it's a good thing. I just think that if you're looking at this as a catch-all to satisfy every Christian itch, it's going to fail because I, yeah. I think it's targeted, frankly, to non-Christians. I really right. think it or is. Or to those that are by name only that don't really or, practice. Yep. Christian and name only. The Cenos. Exactly. I think it's that. And uh, it's, it's really interesting. But I love it. Like, I love the efforts. Um, I think I love the, the relatability is, is the lens that they're using to try to like make this message be impactful. I also love the connection to more current social causes that help reframe the way that people look at the faith. Uh, as something that's much more open for everyone rather than only for some. So I, 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 thought, and, and I mean, I like it a lot, honestly. Fi- final point. The, the, the idea that those are new things too is something that as you you know go on your Christian walk, you understand are not new. Right. There's always been people in prison. There's always been refugees. There's always been you know strangers among us. There's always been sinners. There's always been somebody who had a racist or cultural you know antagonism. So all of these things have happened. And they're they're addressed, and right. Jesus experienced many of them, and that's yeah. kind of what this thing is trying to do. So for sure, we got to move on to, cool. to the next thing. But I appreciate that little dialogue. Totally different subject here. Um, Apple got itself embroiled in a little bit of a social media thing. Might be much ado about nothing, but we'll find out. Uh, for Black History Month, they launched some special content and activities related to the Apple Watch, right? Where, at least as I understand, I'm not an Apple Watch owner, which is why you need to take over very soon and talk about yeah. this. But what I understand is there were some activities or challenges that would be available through your Apple Watch that were basically fitness related. Mm-hmm. And if you completed them for seven days straight in Black History Month, you would get some kind of exclusive award. Yeah. There's all these like badges that you could basically <laughs> win based on different things, right? If you work out your longest workout, X number of days in a row where you work out, and it's all based on closing your activity ring. So this specific one that they did for... What's an activity ring though for people like an me? Activity ring, like, so in, in Apple, Apple it's basically tracking three different things, which is it's tracking the number of hours that you stand at least once during that hour. Mm-hmm. It's tracking general movement, right? Like you just being active, you get up, you walk around, et cetera. 
and then it's tracking um i figure it's, i think it's called exercise or fitness whatever the, but basically like whatever your exercise goal list whether or not you met that exercise goal for so the, the little circle closes so literally the goal is every day is to close all three of those circles right and the more you do with one thing or let's say you have a two-hour workout day for you go hike you ride you do all kinds of crap right and so you'll get different badges that you could basically earn and you know people want to collect as many badges as possible and this is the kind of thing that a lot of people actually do. With they partner with a lot of different organizations. I know a lot of number of nonprofits that have done things specifically with Apple, where that will be a badge they're able to collect during a specific time, and it's meant to kind of inspire awareness and and while being active, because that is what what Apple, at least on that aspect of it, of the rings, is about being active in some way or another. But not everybody responded positively to this. <laughs> so you had an account called. This is I love the name of the account, an account whose handle name is pretty critical. <laughs> <laughs> had Talk a, about foreshadowing. Yeah, exactly. Is uh, uh, she was saying? Uh, um, she's like, "Good morning, everyone, except for Apple, which which pushed me the notification this morning." I just think it's unbelievable and acceptable that, especially in the wake of Tyre Nichols, Tyree Nichols murder, the one thing that Apple has to say about honoring Black people and Black history is use our product. Maybe use a uh, maybe use a little weight or maybe lose a little weight. I think she meant. Yeah, she. Might I mean, lose. come on, she, you know. So she's basically complaining that this is like pushing people to. Uh, to try to lose weight in a time where they should have more of a stance, especially with what happened out in Memphis, right? But that tweet or that comment is exactly what paralyzes a lot of brands from taking any action because they feel someone is going to complain or think that we're cheapening the, ho- the, the the culture or doing something that's tone deaf or whatever. Right, and like lose weight to end racism was not the approach that I thought I'd ever hear. <laughs> right, right. So in a way, it's in, now I, I don't know how popular that sentiment was, but it's yeah. just funny to me that I can imagine the people in marketing reading that and going, oh, we've got a big problem. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I mean, I think this is the kind of thing where, look, I think part of it is that when you are – Look, I think there's things. Like one is is the fact that the person that started this is an account name is pretty critical. You just know where this is gonna head. Like, good luck trying to ha- keep that person happy about anything. Just, I don't need to know anything about their content. The yeah, fact that that's their, their handle name just tells you a lot, right? right. Uh, I do think is, and I could also see as a brand being like, "Oh, this is why we can't do anything." I, I get that. I don't think there's anything wrong necessarily in what they were doing and having a Unity Award. I do think that because of the timing of putting this out. When if you're trying to if you're doing this in part to be to show homage support to a community, and you're not at all talking about or even acknowledging what that community is currently dealing with, then it does feel a little bit tone deaf. I think that's, that's where that's I was really going to go. The, that's really the big the big issue here. It's not that having a unity award was a bad thing. I think it's a great thing, and it's a, and it's very much aligned to what they do. By the way. It's not meant to say like you have to like go lose weight. It's just like being a little active. Frankly, it's not a fucking bad thing. Like, and it's like, particularly, like, uh, by the way, thank you for giving us our explicit uh, E on our, on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> for those who may have noticed, we're getting E's on our episode, which stands for explicit. Every time Jesus drops an F bomb, we get that rating. So that's oh, good. Now man, you've guaranteed gotta, this one's got. I think we get better. We get more reach when it's explicit. So probably, yeah. But but, but this is where I was going, Jesus. Uh-huh. I think from a business standpoint, the lesson to be learned here is that, ironically, they didn't close the loop, right? Yeah. They have this kind of promotional thing, which makes sense and is fine. Yeah. But you could have taken that so much further. Like you could say, for instance, fitness is particularly important in, in for communities of color. Look at all the things that we have. You could have also said, for every time you close the ring, we're going to give one of these watches to an underprivileged community right, nonprofit. Right. Yeah. Or you could have tied it to some kind of impact, I guess is what I'm saying. Right, and not just right. made it like, hey, you get this downloadable, whatever it is. I don't even know if it downloaded, but this yeah, award. It just automatically pops up. I mean, it, it's, yeah, it's, it's a just, minor thing that they were doing, uh, but you're right. They did not close the loop. Um and more than anything, just we're not active in in addressing a really big issue that this community specifically is is dealing with right now. So I think that was that was part of the of the problem. I think in this in the way that they did it. I mean, said that you're gonna have all these people that are uh, that are in this, you know, in this already mindset of of really being super critical and and frankly on things that are associated with like pushing fitness or being active. There's also like that element. I there think is. there is the the oh they look how terrible like end racism no one said about any racism like like that was not the intent a unity ring doesn't mean end racism right it's it just or right. unity award it's not those are not the same thing maybe mm-hmm. they could have thought they could have honestly rethought the name maybe you could say that okay uh but i also think there's also another group that is so anti 
anything that may resemble or feel like body shaming, body shaming, or fitness, like full acceptance of everyone in every way whatsoever, which is a, that, which, that which predominates on the, on the left, you would say, right? Ideologically. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Just a little bit. Yes. Yes. Just checking. Yeah, just wanted yeah, to make just sure. a little bit. Uh, so I think you probably have both cases here. I mean, I think a lot of it's, it's a little bit to do with, with a lot to do with nothing. Having already said that, I do think that Apple could have been a little bit more public about their stand. And then you, you obviously run into the issue that when people on the other side of the equation were like, oh, it's too early. Why are we commenting on, on an issue that's still open to investigate? Like you have all that when it's never the right time to talk, to talk about this. You yeah. have that group yeah. that will be responding. Right? But if there's a lesson here for business people, it's close the loop. It's, you yeah. know, tie these efforts into something that feels genuine and authentic and connected to the communities that you're talking about. Right. Fitness is a great vehicle to do that. You yeah. know, just kind of close a loop and that way it'll minimize the criticism. Having said that, you're going to get criticized yeah, no matter yeah, what you yeah, do. Yeah. So get over it and move so, on. Just do. Anything else to say about Apple? No. It's a quick one. All right. No. Let's, let's wrap up then with Grammys. So on yesterday, no, not yesterday, Sunday. Uh, the whatever year Grammys were had down in LA at the crypto center it used to be the Staples center. Mm -hmm. Speaking of crypto. Um, and, uh, it actually got pretty decent ratings, 12 and a half million people, which is mm -hmm. a 30% increase from last year. I actually don't know if, how that relates historically. I, I have a feeling that there was a lot more audience back in the day, Oh, I'm sure but, it is. but it's yeah, a, yeah, yeah. The, the way they're positioning is it, it went up quite a bit. I think there's two things to talk about with Grammys and whatever else you want to talk about. One is the ratings increased. Does that fill people with a lot of hope that award ceremonies are things that people are going to want into the future? Because I, I just think it's kind of a dying sort of format. And then the second thing um, is uh, the performance that got a lot of social love and hate of Sam Smith and Kim Petras winning for best pop duo and the, the performance that they gave uh, at the Grammys introduced by Madonna and, you know, Twitter lit up as a result of, of that performance. Those are two things that I think are interesting. I don't know what you think are interesting, but yeah. I'm, pre I'm prepared to talk about all of it or yeah, none no, of it. No, no, we can no, end no, the no. show right now. Yeah. No, no, no. Let's, let's talk about that. So yeah. What is your, I guess, what, what, what do you think, uh, what would you equate to, um, some of those rating increase in general? I mean, I think some of it was just a bounce back from a terrible year that was still driven by COVID. So I don't know yeah. if they're above or below the, the traditional watermark. My best, my guess is they're probably still below what it once was. Right, right. Uh, 12 million people is a lot of people, but you know, this is also a national show on prime time mm -hmm. with all the world's biggest stars. So you would think maybe it could do better than that. Um, I think there's also a lot of, uh, you know, self-congratulatory kind of like, it's like a, it's like a Hollywood version of LinkedIn, you know, it's like, I just got promoted. Oh, that's awesome. You know? And so there's, there's some aspects of it that just feel very phony. I don't, I, I don't know. I could care less about these award shows. <laughs> um, and I know a lot of people who feel the same way, but yeah. 12 and a half million people watched it. So yeah, I mean, know. good for them. I mean, it is, it is a bit of a bounce back. I think there's more of this being to your point, a bounce back than anything else. Um, and they broke a three-year record, to be clear, in terms of their ratings. So since twenty, yeah, since twenty twenty, since COVID twenty twenty, yeah. yeah. So I think a lot of this maybe maybe more to do with that than anything else. Uh, I would be curious to know how it ranks. How much do you think the more being more diverse actually contributed to this? I mean, they got a lot of heat, right? The last couple of years mm -hmm. for for that. So I think it's like for being more diverse in a couple of different ways, like being too male, and then also not being diverse in those in terms of ethnicity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't think it hurt at all, especially given who may be watching this. Um, but I mean, I don't know. It's hard to parse out what effect that had. Like some, but not all. One thing that I would love to see is like, what is the age breakout of Grammys watching? Like, well, it's TV. I mean, what, who's watching television? Well, my point is like, so the the most diverse group would be the younger group is the most be the most diverse. Like, how much do they even care? <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm really really curious. I remember you had a pretty pretty strong opinion about award shows before. So I don't know if that's yeah, changed I, because I, their ratings are better, but no, I think, I think there, these are doom formats that we, we, it's time to move on. It's time to move. Like, it's fine. Like you could just send, I think it's, it's, it's nice to give the recognition to people. I think it's great. Not just nice. Nice is the wrong word. It's great to give the recognition, but this is, it's so inside baseball to a large extent, especially as you think about it, it's like some of the, some of the, the broader, the farther are you go from the main celebrities it's just like those are nice recognitions for them amongst the industry. It could be still be an industry event. I just don't think that the viewing of it is just really – it's a tough watch. It's a tough watch to, to see that. I think live events, 
even frankly, live music has always been a tough watch. I mean, there was uh, what was Palladium, the 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 the, the network. That was all about oh, yeah, music, yeah, yeah. performances, all the that biggest stuff. concerts out there, festivals. Yeah. They're terrible. It's just watching music on television, live from it, it's just it's just tough to do. Yeah. And it doesn't have the same level of of like prestige that it had before. I think you've made a great point before is that many times this was the moment where the majority of the of of people had like a window into seeing their favorite celebrities, artists, and in non-pre-recorded environment, yeah. seeing kind of live, seeing how they would speak, you know, seeing these live moments or even a performance of that matter. Now it's so distributed just through social that you don't need that anymore. Yeah. You need to you have can that. see their every waking moment. So uh, for sure. So I think you lose that kind of prestige of, of having this. What was interesting and hilarious, and I do want to talk about the Sam Smith, the performance, right? Mm-hmm. That you, that you Sam Smith about. and Kim Petras. But, yeah. but on, the diversity, on the diversity tip. So one of the things that uh, they got get heat for is you had uh, Bad Bunny both perform and then was also like presented an award, right? And Bad Bunny is notorious for speaking in Spanish, like primarily in Spanish. And the, you know, the, uh, I think no, he didn't present an award. He won an award and also like, like I performed. Yeah. Right. And somehow the Grammys didn't think about having a, uh, uh, a Spanish uh, captions, Right or have someone translate the Spanish captions into, into English. So basically, all they would say while he was singing is like a big thing that just says singing in non English, <laughs> or speaking in non English. <laughs> how terrible! How terrible is that? Yeah, it's, it's something bad. that's pre planned. Literally, you could look at the lyrics of a song. Let's yeah, say just of course. a and know what it is. You know it's in Spanish. Pre translated. We know he's gonna perform. Let's say we don't know which song exactly. You could probably figure it out pretty quickly. What are the songs he's likely to perform? You could do that. Or just have someone that actually speaks a language. So all the that. hearing impaired got to basically. Yeah, uh, just hear that. Yeah. It was, oh, singing in non-English, making noises. You know what it reminds me of? Of that meme that, that I always have of the novella, like laughing in Spanish. Yeah. And it's like this like novella, big laugh, right? right or right. crying in Spanish. It is. It was that. So I think with all this diversity, it somehow missed the whole point. Mm. Of someone that is still right now probably one of the, if not the most popular artist that is currently performing. Yeah, he's huge. And then not giving him his proper due by just putting, I literally said Puerto Rico, so then speaking non-English. <laughs> by the way, the the other kind of memeified uh, aspect of Sunday's show was Madonna. And because I guess, I don't know if she just hasn't been on a public stage that size in quite a while, but people just commenting on her and the way that she looks. She's a 64-year-old woman. Yeah, I think she's, and been, she, yeah, she's been she, doing a lot of work for a while. Yeah, well, work is a nice way to refer to it, but she's it's just... Been, you know, getting a lot of work done. You know? Yeah, I, I don't want to be unkind to her, but, you know, my my friend um, who is has no problems being well, unkind... Why, why call, is that a big deal? But like, it, call, this, is, this has been like the case with her for a long time. Well, because she's now she's really old right we i mean old we we expect a 64 year old woman to look somewhat like a 64 year old woman right. and it just wasn't even close it wasn't even cl- it looked it looked strange it was it was alarming it was you know some people yeah. were were put off by it so um i mean have you looked look, look at the kardashians i mean none of them look like what they look like as kids yeah but they're not in their 60s yeah but I you, guess lo- the you look at you look at chloe uh, looks like a completely different person. They're like, yeah, it's I like a completely different person than what it was before. I, I just don't like, I think with her, she's been in this journey of, of, uh, <laughs> of work upgrades on herself for a while. It's just like, yeah, it just kind of, I saw a lot of memes, uh, you know, that were, that were coming out based, not even memes, more like posts going, you know, comparing, uh, women at 64 with Madonna, right? And saying, like, basically asking which one is more beautiful and kind of like rating them, right? And the ones at least that I saw overwhelmingly were like the natural 64-year-old, right? Even right. people saying, this is my mom at 64, here's Madonna. You know, who would you right, rather right, have right. a cup of tea with? That kind of thing. I, you know, I, I have a lot of sympathy. Like I, I, like, I feel bad when I see stuff like that because there's, mm-hmm. you know, somebody who I got to imagine is trying to retain their youth and what the effects are the exact opposite it it, it doesn't look it doesn't make you look young it right. makes you do, do you think it, it makes you stand out in a negative way even more yeah 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 i mean how much of this do you think is also a byproduct of being in the industry that just so much values Com- youth completely agree i mean completely in, in, agree. in the part that i don't that i don't care for those person with with madonna even though yeah she could look as crazy as you want to look like it is what it is because we have plenty of examples in this side. Like you have, you know, sort of Stallone, who obviously has had tons of work done. Mm-hmm. 
And he's kind of in the same kind of boat, you know, like yeah. people are trying to hold on to their youth. And I get it. They've been in the public eye for so long. It, and yeah. and I think when it's tough in the public eye is that people see your movies that may have happened 20, 30 years ago. And they just saw it today. And then they see you like, oh, what happened to you? Like, like it's like this drastic thing. People Stallone's don't. Stallone's first movie, Lords of Flatbush, was 50 years ago. So that's, that's kind Half of point. Like you have people that are in that kind of category, right? That are still yeah. are trying to hold on, which I get. Um, My perspective what, what, what was, is, uh -huh. is just that I feel for the person. Yeah. Like I feel, I feel, you know, empathy for someone who has gone through those lengths to do surgeries and who knows what else. Um, because it, it kind of describes a, an emptiness in a way that they must, that they must have in their life. And it, I feel bad for them, like what's legitimately, your, I'm not your, trying to ridicule them What's your response to, to people saying that for those that are making fun of her or, or taking that angle, because people are, that is like just a form of ageism. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, I think it's, whether it's ageism, it's, it's, it's insulting and it's not, it's unkind to do, mm -hmm. but, um, I don't know. I don't know that age. I mean, I guess in the broad category, it's somebody who's in that age group, and you're making fun of them. You could categorize it at ages. And I don't know that the 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 point is you are 64, and I'm making fun of you for being 64. I don't think that's the the motivation for the the making fun of. Either way, it's wrong. But what I'm saying is, my motivation isn't ha ha. Look at ridiculous. She looks like a right. like a cat getting pushed through a fence. You know, it's which you know some people would say she did. Right. But my thing is like rough, I I just I feel bad when I see stuff like that. Um, yeah. But that wasn't the big news item, at least not in social media. The big one was Sam Smith and Kim Petras's performance yeah. of a song aptly called Unholy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you see this at all? Did you see any I videos of some, it? I saw very little videos of it. I saw a little bit of it where he's wearing like some horns and then it's all red. And there's, um, I saw a couple of senators, I think, responding to it that yeah. this is like devil worshiping and yeah. condemning it. What, what were your thoughts on all this? I mean, so full on confession, I had no idea who Sam Smith or Kim Petras are. Or were I don't know before who Sunday. Was. Uh, Sam Smith, yeah, he's a pretty well, famous singer. She's now the pop duo singer of the year, so I guess we'll, we'll all have to learn more about her. But um, I listened to the song first of all because all the videos on YouTube uh -huh. don't like you know I guess I don't know doesn't have the rights or whatever, so they were only showing clips. Uh -huh. um, you know, the best thing I can say about this entire thing is that the song has a decent melody and the mm -hmm. producing is is pretty up there. The lyrics of this song are the most just mind numbing okay. banal stupidity I've ever read in my entire life. Uh -huh. <laughs> and the performance uh, for those who didn't see it or haven't seen the social stuff was basically Sam Smith dressed as Satan essentially, right, or, right. or the caricature of Satan, you know, sure. all in red with horns and then surrounded by a bevy of women who were all super scantily clad. Then they perform with the women in cages being supervised by women holding whips. Right. And, and so I'm thinking to myself, the kind of cognitive dissonance that if you ask these performers, whether or not they're for or against misogyny, how many of them would say, oh, we're against misogyny, but right. you have women in cages mm -hmm. being supervised by women with whips and this whole, like, you know, yeah, yeah, this yeah. whole BS, uh, BDSM kind of vibe mm -hmm. to it. Right. Right. Kind of treating them like animals. Sure. And then, so to me, that was crazy. The whole uh, satanic piece, look, there are people who are literal Satanists, like worship Satan. Do I believe right. these guys are? No. Right. But the irony in all of this is that Satanism, if you really were to break it down, it's sort of a worshiping of self. It's like, because that's what Satan did. He, he thought mm -hmm. he was better than God and mm -hmm. God had something else to say about that, right? So right. it in a way it kind of is a worship of self, right? Because that's the super, be the entire entertainment industry though, to be honest, it, it was just this overindulgent, you know, and, and it also made me think about like, man, where has art gone? Because what I saw was just this super decadent, tedious, boring. It was just like, it was just such a, it was so disappointing. Don't you think it's, like just, art. it's just part of an effort of people trying to constantly one up each other and then be, do exactly this, which is shock, be trending, be shocking. I guess, but is that art? That. How can you claim to be an artist though and do that? I, I mean, I think that's art is in the eye of the beholder. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I mean, mm. there's plenty of things that are very shocking that can be very shocking, especially like, I think more in the context of like paintings that I've seen all the time because I like going to museums and there's some stuff like, Oh wow! Like that's art. Okay, like it's 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 very uh, it can vary quite a bit in terms of how people are you know trying to get their message out. 
what I what I found like kind of hilarious is like the the just over the top responses by people to the to the video. Like there was one my favorite, Marjorie Taylor Greene, who said the Grammys feature Sam Smith's demonic performance that was sponsored by Pfizer. And the satanic church now has an abortion clinic in New Mexico that requires its patients to perform a satanic ritual before services. American Christians need to get to work. Like it's that so actually that second part is actually true. That was gonna be my courage or cringe this week. But it's it's so yeah, I know, Charlie. But like this is like No, this the is, satanic this temple is, this opening is why, an abortion clinic is, is a why, real news item. Yeah, yeah. But this is why when people see this, it's hard to take these guys seriously. Mm-hmm. Right? Because like there's a thing this is between you think about like this, this is uh, like Poor taste, but to your point, like if anyone really thinks that like this is really like Satanism that is happening live on television, I just think it's such a ridiculous comment to make. Yeah, I think it's not Satanism, but you can make a point that it could be satanic in the sense that it is at least a very indulgent example of kind of self worship. You know what I mean? Like, sure, yeah, you you can make that case. I don't believe it is actually satanic. I don't think there's anything spiritually good about playing around with this stuff and. You know, this is because my brother is an actual exorcist. So right. like, I don't like to mess around with any of this stuff, but, um, but there is a difference in that. Look, what my big thing was, uh-huh. it was, it just seemed, first of all, super misogynistic, super animalistic in how these women were being portrayed, mm-hmm. which I thought flies in the face of all of this women empowerment. And also like, it made no sense to me that we'd have women in cages with whips around. Like, what is that about? Mm-hmm. And then the complete absence of any kind of art or creativity beyond the music. Again, the music maybe had a catchy melody lyrics. I've already spoken about, but this performance was just the most tedious, boring thing I've seen on an artistic level. And that's where my biggest beef is of it. And to your point, the shock value, because it was clearly intended to just piss a lot of people off. Yeah, and it did. I have them talk about it and sharing it and like getting in more views. And yeah, that's what that's what it was. I'm not endorsing the uh, the album, Jesus. <laughs> not endorsing. The album. I'm not endorsing it either. I'm simply saying, like you know, I just think the 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 argument that is bad art is is just to me is all relative. Yeah, it's I bad art it to is. people that think it's bad art or that don't like it. Well, it's just art to everyone else. I look at it in the case of law, right? Law is about reasonable things like, you know, a reasonable doubt. So we're not talking about extremes. We're talking about you put a hundred reasonable people in a room and put a Degas, Van Gogh, Michelangelo sculpture, and then Sam Smith's devil dancing. And you say, are they in the same food group? I think that a group of a hundred reasonable people would go, it's not even close, not even the same galaxy. I, I agree. It's just that there's a lot of food groups when it comes to art. And yeah. you're right, they're not in that one. I completely agree with you. Okay. But there are some other ones. Or music ones, you know? Music you know, ones. it just, uh, I guess I've, I've, I've spent some time going to uh, modern art museums and you'll be shocked. Oh, no, I've been to them. What makes the cut? I've been to And it was like, them. really? Like, that's just trash. You're like, I can like, do that. No, like, I'm pretty sure that's not art. Not no, no, GPT can do it. Well, like, okay. I mean, you know, I don't know. I yeah. Don't know. I still stand by what I said last show that I think that art in any way is a reflection of the artist. So there's, there's a lot to be said here about this performance. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. anyway, we'll leave that where it is. Anything else to talk about on Latin Grammys? Is there any business lesson on Latin Grammys? Keep making award shows, I guess. Yeah, Sell I mean, some ads. Guess it is interesting in the context of because they got an uplift in um, in ratings, I, I'm curious to what that could be, right? Is part of this giving more of a forum to someone like a Bad Bunny who is really generational in terms of his connected, especially with young people? Maybe it's like that kind of people actually do bring an audience that has pretty much tuned out. Yeah. It'd be cool that's, to see that's the, kind of interesting. the Latino demographics. Yeah, that's kind of interesting. I, I'm, I'm very curious to see what is the the age breakout of this, right? I also don't know what they did from a distribution standpoint in terms of where they're putting this content, uh, how much it was live versus live and cut up and put into multiple platforms. I mean, there's maybe a lot of things to kind of dig into and see how, what it is. I think it is encouraging for them, even if it's still lower than whatever it is, but to, to change a trend that has been going on for three years of a downtrend, I think does matter. I think it does mean something, even if it's, because we've had these lows for a, for a while. That's interesting. I still am very uh, bearish on live music awards events or awards events in general, live awards events. I just think they're just like, just not that relevant. Just boring. Yeah. yeah I think they're just not that relevant. I think they've been trying to kind of keep them there Re-invent and kind of hold stuff. on to them and yeah. do a lot of things. It's just, it's just tough. It's just tough. I'm with you for sure. Any uh, courage or cringe this week, Jesus? 
Uh, Anything no. particularly courageous or cringy? I don't. I don't think I have one. I had one, but we've already t- talked about it. Oh, that it. was it? Well, yeah. I mean, this one, I had another one, but you already mentioned it. So, um, which was that it was Marjorie, not Marjorie Taylor Greene, but one of the things she mentioned in that tweet is actually oh, a it. true news item, which I sent to you. Oh, Remember, I didn't see that one. Yeah, yeah, you commented on it. I sent it to you. You're like, what in the actual F? Oh, I thought it was. That was a little while ago, yeah. That was last week. That was last week. <laughs> so it seems like a lot because you've been feels in a like time it was vortex. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was anyway, years ago. Yeah. The 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 Satanic Temple, which are is actually a satanic church, although they might claim that it's not traditional Satanism, but at least they stand up for what they think Satanism is. Mm. They um have just opened a basically like an abortion services or clinic, an abortion clinic. And they named it after Samuel Alito's mom, because Samuel Alito, the Supreme Court justice, I guess her mom, his mom at one point considered abortion and decided against it. And so they named it after his mom. You know, when I hear something like that, (laughs) um, I just think they're doing a disservice to the abortion movement by actually associating themselves with it. Well, I'm happy about that. Because you're, yeah, because putting it as a, satanic church or any kind of association with that and saying, therefore we're going to be doing abortions. Like you're, you may be thinking that you're trying to own the, yeah, the that's what it clearly was. you're trying to do, but the reality is you turn off everyone else. That's it. That's uh, which is the majority of people that are actually in between that are not in the, in the polar extreme. So to me, that's just like a, just a dumb, dumb move that is like anything else. And it happens in movies all the time is like, there's people in those movements that you wish you could just like, no, we don't need your help. Like, yeah. dude, just stay on that side. No one wants your help. Don't know, because you're only you're only like staining the rest of this movement by having you be associated with it. Yeah, and this is this one is straight up, uh, you know, Satan related, Satanism related, right? But, because but it feels like the purpose is to troll, is to like be it, no, no. But they're actually it is a telehealth abortion clinic. They send out pills, abortion pills, and an accompanying ritual that you can do that's part of their uh, Satanist tradition. So you're literally having a ritual plus an abortion. At the same time. Right. It's. That's my point. Yeah. Like, that, that you're not helping guys. You're not helping. Yes. Like, yeah. I think it, it, not... interestingly from your perspective, I actually think they are helping, but not for the, not for the, you know, cause I don't, I don't want the abortion movement to do right. well, but, right. but I just think it's, it's horrible. I think people of goodwill just look at this and go, what the hell, of which course. is what you said. It's exactly what happens. Yeah. That's exactly, that's exactly my point. So yeah. instead of you doing something to own the, the conservative side, you're not, you're actually turning off everyone else. Yeah. That is not in the, your extreme point of view. You don't. You, you got one or anything this week? No, I don't. All I right. Don't. So then that'll have to suffice for both of us. Then um, you'll you'll come prepared next week. With, I will with something. Keep slacking. Oh, uh, you know what? Actually, I have one. All right. I just, just thought that. about this. Did you hear about the 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 water rights of uh, battle that's been going on for the Colorado Colorado River? No. Yeah. So this has been one that's been going on now for years. I want to say where they're basically cannot figure it out. There's like four states involved in this in this argument that the water the levels in the Colorado River have continued to go down. Uh, and if for and, and I forget what they call it. This like specific term. It's not that it completely dries out, but it's something that happens at a certain low level that it basically will cut off overall water flow to certain certain things like lakes, etc. Right. But it's become like a really drastic situation. And you have these four or five states that just refuse to get on the same page. So you have like California, Nevada, I think, uh, I don't know if it's Arizona as well, Colorado. Like I'm, not, I'm messing up my geography in terms of what it all kind of cuts across. But uh, it's become an issue that has been going on for a very, very long time. These states cannot get on the same page. All the models are pretending like this needs to like be addressed now because otherwise it's going to be so detrimental they may not be able to reverse it. And this is the kind of thing that I think about the conversation around states' rights versus federal rights, because the, administ- the Biden administration has continued to basically encourage the states to get on the same page. But when we have things like this, this is where I think the idea of everything being states' rights starts falling apart. Because if you have these things that can't actually get it together, that becomes a national issue that I think will impact more than just those states. Well, it cuts Everything across else. different states. So and it cuts across different states. So they should look at it like they look at the highway system. I mean, it so should be a federal to me, thing it's, it's they should a, be involved Yeah. In. So it's a cringe on the fact that these states can't get their acts together. I also think it's a cringe that it doesn't get elevated and has to just simply handle it at a national level. Or something like it could get negotiated because everyone is kicking the can on this thing. And it goes back to who has from the original agreement that was done, who has what rights. The problem is that I think it was estimated to have a much higher water flow than it ever actually has. So from the beginning, it was sort of 
doomed to fail the way that mm. it had been negotiated in terms of how much water each of these states could actually pull from the Colorado River. Well, Biden's got his hands full. But it's, a, it's an ongoing issue that yeah. hasn't been settled. So I, to me, it's a, it's a massive cringe. Well, in terms of the escalation, Biden's got his hands full with the you know weather balloons and all kinds of different <laughs> I, I can't believe we didn't talk about, but it's okay. Oh, Maybe next time. I think they're going to be There's talking about talk, it today. I talk think. about some funny memes. There are some. Oh, are there really? Oh, oh I want to see those. <laughs> oh my. I, I Super was, inappropriate. Super inappropriate. Uh, not, even better. Not, we'll have to get like a capital E on the explicit rating <laughs> on this show if we talk about those. All right, Asus. All right. Well, thanks for uh, for being here and uh, for everybody else. We'll see you again next time on Unsiloed. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts.